even David, you know, in David and Goliath, even David can, you know, use some, I don't know, special medica medication and become Goliath, you know, and become big and beefed up or, I don't know, go to the gym. When somebody asks me for permission about to do something, my first question is, what do you think? Right? Like, I just right. bring it back to them. And they, they say what they think. And they actually have, you know, pretty good judgment on that. And then my second question <laughs> that's goes... A, that's a good one. So what's stopping you? <laughs> right? <laughs> that's a very good. That's very good. Hello, I'm Radek. I'm Michael. And this is the podcast. A sounding board for interesting ideas and insights. We discuss books to read I want to share with you. As well as technology and productivity which is what we do by day, working on our app, Nosby. Or whatever else comes to our minds. Speaking of books, I just recalled a book I read last year. Uh-huh. Uh, do you recall David vs. Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell? Yeah, I, I really liked uh, Gladwell's books, and this one is also very good. Yeah, Gladwell's books are, are pretty fun reads. He's, he's a good writer. Just just recently, I, it's, I haven't told you this, but just recently, because I made some decisions, and one of them, one of the one of the, these decisions, in the moment that I made it, I was sure of it. But then later I started questioning it, and you know, analyzing it and everything. But I was sure of it when I was doing the, making the decision. Mm -hmm. So I reread uh, David um, um, Malcolm Gladwell's Blink, the begin the beginning of the Blink. Mm -hmm. uh, where he explains the gut reactions and why the gut reactions are are, are very cool. So, um, yeah, I mean, Michael Gadwell has really some really good insight there. Yeah, he does. And I just I just recall David Goliath, and and I I connected it to the things we do right now. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I just I just made this connection and and realized something. Um, this. This neat way of of of, of phrasing uh, what we do at Nosby, that's um, kind of that, that's very relevant, right? The the way to make decisions, to uh, you know how how we choose things, how we how we develop our applications, you know, it, all, all these decisions they they really neatly fit this frame uh, put forth by David versus Goliath. Yeah, I mean, you know, we have a very small team, uh, and we what we do is we try to conquer the world of productivity, and we do it from a country which is not US, mm -hmm. and we don't have any funding, and still we can pull it off with a small team and actually reach you know thousands, hundreds of thousands actually users. So yeah, yeah. So 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 you you're seeing the direction uh, where I'm going. Mm -hmm. In this metaphor, where did David? We are kind of an underdog. We're not. We're not a. Uh, you know, Nosby has been out there on the market for like you know close to ten years, yeah. which seems ridiculous to me. Uh, but it's a small company, and our competitors are much bigger. Much bigger, much better funded, and uh, yeah, and still. I'm just, you know, just today I had a, you know, an interview with um, with one of our Nosby business customers, mm -hmm. and uh, he just told me that, yeah, he checked all of our competitors and he chose Nosby because it's just better. So, like, when I hear that, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that, that that's good to hear. But 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 see what I mean? Like, even though we and we talked about this many times, we don't tend to think 
of our competitors as our competitors because it, it doesn't really matter that much. We're not directly competing with each other. It's not a zero-sum game. Yep. We're much more competing. We're competing with non-consumption primarily, with people just exactly. using email, not doing or post-its or not doing anything special at all. So we, we, don't, we don't tend to think of uh, what Wunderlist or Todoist or Basecamp or Asana are doing. But but it's it's so it's it's not like we never think of it as as in you know for us to win they have to lose but still we do want to win right we we don't want to be you know crushed and and disappear just because uh, those guys are bigger and they have more coders more designers more VC money and they can do more things such that they somehow obsolete Nosby and it's also you know the thing that it's not like we don't have it because we can't get it. I mean, um, I was, you know, I was approached by VCs several times. It's also the decision of who you want to be, you know. Even mm-hmm. David, you know, in David and Goliath, even David can, you know, <laughs> use some, I don't know, <laughs> special medica- <laughs> medication and become Goliath, you know, and become big and beefed up or, I don't know, go to the gym. I don't know. But, <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's who you want to be. Or how you want to act, how you want to, you know, how you want to, uh, uh, yeah, how you want to act, and mm-hmm. and it's. I think it's also a choice that we don't want to be a, a Goliath. We want to be a David. Yeah, but but either way, like even though it was a decision, it does put us in a in a in some ways more difficult position, right? Because okay, yeah, that's true. we are in the less advantaged po- position uh, compared with our uh, competitors. And and so and so I've been thinking about David and and, and Goliath, right? We're, we're we're the David, and the thing is, uh, like in this in this story, in this metaphor, David didn't win because he turned out to be stronger than Goliath. He won because he played by different rules. He didn't care what Goliath was up to. He just did his own thing, and and you know he he he, he didn't went you know face to face head to head and beat him up right like that that he would he would never win this way i don't know if you, we have to refer the david and goliath story to everyone because i hope people you know know it but in case they don't goliath is the big guy with an armor and and weapons and everything and he's about to fight david who's a uh, uh, like a sh- farmer or someone farmer or no he's the, just a regular guy watching the sheep actually yeah, so, yeah oh yeah 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 right so and and he's without armor without any weapons he only only what he has is a stone mm-hmm. and he just throws the stone exactly with a, with a thing with a device like he throws the stone uh, directly in in um, david's uh, chin skull. right skull exactly i mean just you know just perfectly uh, at the speed of actually a bullet right. and the guy in, dies instantly so the idea is that David is a small guy, no armor, and there is the big guy with armor. And actually, actually, and the big guy with the armor, he was expecting somebody big with an armor. Mm-hmm. So it was because he was taught that this is how you are supposed to fight. Right. And David did a different approach and caught Goliath by surprise, as you said, because he just chose a different route to actually fight with him. I think we we're very good at, at at retelling those stories. That, no, that was not. not that was not good, Michael. But 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 the point you made is 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 just that. Like I I hate um, like warfare metaphors, but 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 that's the thing. 
you cannot go against a bigger enemy fighting the way a bigger enemy expects you to fight. Uh, the only reason, uh, the only way in which you, you can win, and a way in which you have a, a reasonable chance of winning, uh, is if you fight asymmetrically. If you do something completely different and and use, um, you know, disadvantages are are, um, are, are benefits in, in, in disguise. You know, uh, take what you have, and and you know, take what what seems like like a like a disadvantage, and and use what you do have against the the Goliath, right? Yeah, and but what happen what happens is that it requires you to think differently and mm-hmm. to. As you said, to uh, it's like it's like this situation when something bad happens to you, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, in the first moment, you think I'm screwed. I mean, this is the worst thing ever. But then later, uh, you you see that you know, there is this thing of seeing glass gla- glass half full and glass half empty. So you can see actually that this 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 you know drawback can be a, an advantage in disguise. And mm-hmm. it's the same thing when you're when you're small uh, when you're like small and 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 you're not as well funded. You can cry <laughs> that you that you don't have the money, or mm-hmm. you can do something else and and take it to your advantage to to make it better. Uh, that's right. So uh, another another metaphor that um, uh, that kind of fits here uh, would be uh, guerrilla warfare. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know a, 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 again like uh, it's it's. Irregular warfare, right? It, it's uh, asymmetric uh, warfare. You, um, quoting from Wikipedia, like you, you, you'd, you'd use like military tactics such as ambushes, sabotage, raids, petty warfare, hit and run tactics, mobility, right? So, so, so again, uh, not not to turn it into a big warfare metaphor, but 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 the point is, uh, as a, as a small group. You are fast. You are mobile. You can move anywhere. A, a large ar- army is large, so it has a lot of inertia. It's it has to like move in this huge group, and it can't be not seen. So, if 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 you have like uh, you know as 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 a tiny army, then you don't just go against this huge army. You do something they do not expect. So. That's uh, that's that's kind of what we should be doing, right? We like we 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 can't out Microsoft Microsoft. We we can't you know out Basecamp Basecamp. We have to do the, our own thing. We have to kind of um, develop uh, asymmetrically. We have to do this guerrilla development, I guess. Just the other day, I was um, I was in discussions of, of hiring a, a person. And uh, there were just discussions, but anyway, uh, it was interesting because he told me how much he wanted to earn, and it was very, very, it was very high the mm-hmm. the, the salary that he requested, and I was like, no, it's uh, it's a little bit out of our budget this 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 salary like right here, um, I'm I'm sorry, and he was like, yeah, but do you know how much is the salary in this city? And I'm like, I really don't care because I don't have to hire from this city. I can mm-hmm. hire from anywhere, so mm-hmm. so really I can find somebody more talented than you for less money. So from a different city, you know. So this is what I'm going, what I'm going to do. <laughs> so you know, uh, it's you know it's cruel, but on the other hand, this is actually what uh, my advantage. I, we don't have an office, so I'm not 
tied to this you know zip code that i have to hire people within this you know area because and and, and it might be expensive area or cheap area or whatever you know but I can hire from anywhere I want. And actually, one of the missions of our company is to is to hire talented people from wherever they are, just to find talented people. Uh, and and I don't want to... And, and why this guy was saying, you know, you know the salaries of this, you know, kind of person here in the city? Because he's competing me with salaries given by big corporations. Mm-hmm. And I cannot fight with big corporations. I mean, whenever there is a guy from big corporation coming to me, Usually I lose because he wants a lot more money than I can give him because he's being, you know, uh, he, the big companies can have more money to spend and right. they just offer better um, uh, financial uh, deals. They don't offer better jobs. <laughs> I don't think so. But actually, these people wouldn't contact me before if, if, it, if it was the case. But um, they actually want a good job, but with the corporate salary. So, you know, something has to give. <laughs> right. So, 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 so there will be a first example in in like how we compete asymmetrically. Like it, it, it does. You know, like it, it, it sucks for him, right? But, but, but here's the thing: a big corporation can offer you a lot of money, or you know, you know, pay you a lot of tax for 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 being a terrible place in which to work. And for us to compete with it, like we can't out corporation corporations. Not really. We don't have so much budget to like you know pay people twice as or three times as much like we can't do that but what we can do is first of all like the the disadvantages our budgets are not as big as for corporations we don't have a big a fancy office our advantages are we don't care we can hire from anywhere and an office uh you know one corporation has a fancier office than another corporation we don't care we have no office and instead yeah. of like, instead of this, we can hopefully offer you a much better satisfying job with a lot of these other things that you can't get. That's asymmetric. We don't try to go, you know, head to head against the corporation because we could not possibly win. We do a, really. a very different thing they can't offer. Yeah. And the same guy was complaining that, um, uh, that his company is moving to open office very soon. So... Right. Good luck. <laughs> good. Uh, good luck. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so, so that's one thing, uh, and like how we what we discussed last week uh, about how we communicate and collaborate, right? Uh, in a in a in a big company with with an office, you can just have all the meetings you want. Now, first of all. We don't have enough people and enough time to do these many meetings. And second of all, we don't have a physical uh, space, a physical office in which to do those meetings in person. That's a disadvantage. And to try to compete against that uh, would set us up to fail because we can't possibly do more of that. Uh, uh, you know, we can't outmeet corporations. No. <laughs> so what we do, like we use asynchronous tools, we collaborate asynchronously not more synchronously more asynchronously right we don't do more meetings no we have fewer meetings and collaborate more effectively and not just more that's asymmetric when i was when i was reading when, when i was writing this book that we can we're right now offering with our back to back to work promo in nosby the no office apps book about co- our pyramid of communication uh, when i was writing it I, it it i really realized how how 
how big of a problem uh, companies with an office have because they they are set up to talk instead of work asynchronously instead mm-hmm. of work through text i mean it it was it was it dawned on me that actually working with text you know comments uh things like that it's just better because also you have the history of what's happening you have the history of how you got to some decisions and when you just have lots of meetings you talk you don't write down and then later it's really hard to bring people on the same page so so like i i didn't realize it you know until i started writing this that you know that that um that i think for 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 the traditional office to actually you know use our way of working they would have to really force themselves to really use these asynchronous methods from mm-hmm. ground up because they're not you know fit for that uh, that's exactly right and and you like one way of looking at it is well you are forced to use these lesser tools because you don't have an office because you can't do this another way of looking uh, at it is if you do have a physical space you're naturally led to those uh, those communication methods which are not necessarily better and indeed not having that forced us to look another way but instead of trying you know to do those same things without an office in which case that would be worse off for everybody we just were were forced to you know were led to try something else which we found was actually kind of better but it was also different it was it was not us trying to do the this you know more or as much as others we instead we just did a very different route yeah and when i actually gave a speech to one of the you know big one of the big corporations in poland about about this about how we work I was really surprised that uh, they they wanted to hear more about it. They wanted to hear more about our asynchronous work because they recognized the problem. They recognized the problem that their Microsoft Outlook package just forces them to create meetings, like, you know, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and and they wanted to learn more about this. So actually our, you know, the, the, the big guys now want to use our methods. Also, they're not ready for them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So another example of this uh asymmetric girl development would be how we ask for forgiveness not permission you know what i mean yeah like in a corporation you can always have more structure more checks and balances more people to 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 sign off on whatever it is that you're doing we can't do that if we try to do that again i think i think you're you're you're, you're getting the point we would set ourselves up to fail because we can't do that so instead, we do a very different thing. We ask for forgiveness and not permission. Prevent mistakes when possible, of course. You know, ask for for guidance when it, it, it makes sense and when easy, of course. But trivial mistakes are also easy to fix. So if we can like completely like sidestep the whole problem, not have all of this bureaucracy and just do something that's that's better that's an advantage that corporations can have because they're so big they require this this hierarchy and rigid structure not to fall apart yeah i mean when we make decisions we try to make pretty small decisions actually we i mean we have also every now and then a big big decision to make but normally we don't normally our you know daily job is consists of many small decisions mm-hmm. so if you you know if you change the the decision you know quickly no problem. You know, you'll change it. Uh, uh, you do something differently. And then somebody else says, no, no, you shouldn't do that. Okay, then you can fix it. 
but some, but very often actually when you just move faster and make the decision yourself mm-hmm. you actually you gain momentum and you create momentum for your whole team which in turns uh, just spins the wheel faster and you just move faster that's why um i really hate it when people um when people make me the 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 stopper. I mean, they make, they make me a person that has to sign off on all of their decisions, you know, mm-hmm. because I'm the CEO. Uh, I don't want that. I, 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 I would rather be informed of what they've just done instead of asking me, Michael, should I do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you should. I mean, you're the expert in this in this field, you know, just do it and let me know the, the results and mm-hmm. let, me know, let me know why you wanted to do it. I trust your judgment, you know, I trust you don't want to sink the company. So, uh, so just do your thing. If you're not sure, you can just ask me for a quick call or for a quick information, really. But try not to, you know, because I have things to work on. So, yeah. uh, like, and when we have these checkpoints, like we have like this, you have scrum meetings, I have daily, like weekly meetings with my teams. So, so we have these checkpoints where you can ask me a quick question. But usually I really prefer that people really ask for forgiveness later. They don't ask me for permission. They move fast, they create momentum and they get things done. Especially that it's it's not how it's not as if we we did those big projects and then like half a year later someone realized like wait why have you why have you been working on that it's like exactly. no like we like again last week uh, level one of communication we do something we put it on GitHub we put it on Nosby we put it wherever it is that that that, that we're working on and like essentially every day as we make progress and just put stuff out there people see it and we usually don't expect feedback unless we ask for it. It's like, I did this. But if people are not okay with this, they're going to tell you because they can see it. So like, don't, you know, stop wasting everybody's time and just, you know, just just do things, man. Yeah, totally. And that's why I'm emphasizing this a lot. And also we are trying, when we are hiring people to our team, we are looking at this kind of people, you know, because, and especially in our non-office, no-office environment where people cannot be pushed to work. They have to have the drive to mm-hmm. work. And with this, with this drive, we want to create this environment of just go, just go mm-hmm. and just, you know, keep me updated. You know, that's, that, that, that's exactly uh, what, what you said uh, right there uh, before. We cannot push people to work. Mm-hmm. Big corporations can because they have resources to have these managers and structure and hierarchy exactly. to keep to make sure people are on track, do work, suggest what what to do, etc. We we can have it. We don't have the resources to do that. That's a disadvantage. An advantage. Okay, let's just use it and hire for people who don't need that, who can self manage as much as possible. And then you can only have this very like thin transparent layer of of control that that's that's not intrusive that's more you know focused around feedback and like correcting mistakes rather than being there on the critical path of every single decision exactly or it's it's the same thing as we talked about when we discussed the book originals put the the link in the show notes about lean manufacturing right the person closest to the problem is generally most equipped to make a decision on that problem, right? Corporations will always have more resources to form committees, to deliberate on problems. We don't have these resources. So we just, again, sidestep the problem as much as we can. And to the extent practical, just let people closest to problems, just fix them on the spot. So I have a, I have a tip of how to 
enable people to 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 ask for permission and forgiveness mm -hmm. um uh, to ask for for, me, for for forgiveness not permission mm -hmm. so uh, so my trick is this and it's been working pretty well recently when people when somebody asks me for permission about to do something my first question is what do you think right like right. i just bring it back to them and they they say what they think and they actually have you know pretty good judgment on that and then my second question <laughs> that's goes a, that's a good one so what's stopping you? <laughs> right. That's a very good. That's very good. So when, when when they hear these questions, you know, one after another, they're like, yeah, yeah, right. Actually, actually nothing. So and then they realize that next time they should, you know, ask these questions. And then and then really, if they think that there is a stopper, because, for example, yeah, Michael, I would have to spend, you know, thousands of, from our company budget, then you better ask me for permission. But right. apart from that, just go. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, another uh, like broad, broad, broad point: um, processes, right? Processes are like knives. They're useful. They're often necessary, but they're dangerous. You can really cut themselves with 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 knives or processes, right? Like like processes. Uh, enable you to f do things more efficiently or better or make sure you have good quality, whatever. But they also cost time. They, they cost energy. They slow down the whole process. They make you less flexible. And the thing is, again, uh, all these processes that, that, that we have, like they're there for a reason and they're good, but they're only tools. So you have to be careful with them because a a corporation can always outprocess you. They can always have like more of these processes, checklists, checks and balances, managers, hierarchies. You know all these things which become just processes, these tools, but end up being bureaucracy. Uh, a one you know big knife stabbing you in the back. Yeah, I always had this problem with documentation. So ah yeah yeah yeah. So, so like for example, um, there was this very famous talk by Seth Godin about lizard brain, mm -hmm. and in this talk, Seth Godin explained that he went to his, you know, boss, show him the spec. The, the boss had to sign it off, you know, that he saw, saw the spec, and then he was building something, mm -hmm. which sounds really reasonable. And the, the the goal there is is makes sense, so that the boss at the at the last, you know. You know, stretch doesn't you know uh, stall the project, right? Makes sense. But on the other hand, life is not black and white. If we design something today for Nosby, very rarely it actually goes into production in the same form that we just designed it, because mm -hmm. we're gonna see it change during the the, pro the design process. I mean, the, the development process and testing process mm -hmm. and and usage patterns. And and that's the thing. You can be stubborn to have the documentation at the last end, to have the process perfectly, you know, done. Or you can have just none, which is also fun, but not really. Mm -hmm. But if you are halfway, so you have, you know, a, a good idea of what you want to do. You have pretty well outlined what you want to achieve, but still leave some room for improvement. Then it just makes more sense. And then you have more flexibility. And of course, it gives ambiguity to, to, to the situation. But on the other hand... Very often, what I find is that you know the people who actually implement what you what you designed um, can also use their own brains. You know how they mm -hmm. want to see this, so they can actually because they have some room 
to breathe, they can actually you know invent something even cooler whilst whilst you know while they're you know developing it. Mm-hmm. And 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 here's the thing: it's it's not just about documentation being good or bad or a trade-off. It's also an example where it makes sense on surface to have as much documentation as possible because you've designed something. It's all like it's decided. Like we can see before the real hard work starts all the pieces, how they connect together, that's good, right? But it also makes you locked into place. And corporations, I say corporations, but I just mean like broadly, uh, companies bigger than us, they can always out-document us because they can always have more people, more resources to do that kind of work. And so we could try to go after them in this route, but we'd probably lose because they can know they always have more resources. What we can do is accept that documentation is a tool that that can be very, very, very good when used in the right places and in the right amount. But 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 by not overdoing it, we get something they don't have flexibility. We can change things on the fly, we can experiment. We have more breathing room, right? We we can we are much more comfortable changing things as we see reality not match up with our expectations during design or when uh, it turns out as we use it or as our users use it that it's not quite what we thought it was. When you have like everything outlined and, and you live and swear by the, the rule of not in documentation, not in development, then, then again, you have to go through this like whole process, you have to redo the whole thing. But when you treat it as, hey, let's sketch this out, let's make sure we know what we're doing and, and we have a, a, good, a good idea, not a perfect idea, but a good idea, then put it in, in, into development and then iterate as, as, as you go. We can do that. Yeah, and, and it's also, like, for example, when I look at our people and our team, you know, um, we also hire versatile people, people who are doing just more than one thing. So mm-hmm. I, I, I remember, you know, vividly when, when I was starting the company, I, I hired a, a, a designer who was a, a pretty good friend of mine. You know, it's a typical thing. You hire like friends, close friends that you have. Yeah. And he was a very good designer, but he had no clue about HTML, CSS, like all the technologies that are behind it. They were, he was just drawing very nicely. Mm-hmm. And it's good in a company where they have like bunch of these designers and then they have bunch of like front end people who do this thing and then they have a bunch of other developers and like they have a bunch of people but if i have a small team i cannot afford just to have one person who just does one thing because because i i just can't and i remember i was complaining you know on, on one of the social networks and you know there are no designers who know css and and to my complaint uh, somebody responded and that somebody is our chief design officer right now so um it, so it's is the thing you know we cannot outnumber you know with designers with front-end people and whatever that's why we hire more versatile people and that's why uh, we cannot document as much because we want at this at some point to that that our code or our implementation becomes part of the doc- documentation actually oh yeah so that's that's exactly it so we have to just move faster here and again this is our this is this this might be our disadvantage or our advantage you know uh, uh, yeah. but but this is how it is and I think it enables us again to move faster from the design phase to implementation phase that's a perfect observation specialists versus generalists, right? 
there's there's a there's a very very good reason to be a specialist to have your narrow field and build uh, your knowledge as deep as possible in that field it makes a lot of sense right but it's also a disadvantage because you're blind to everything you don't know so again if you're a corporation uh, you better hire as many specialists as you can because you can afford to have many many people and you know with 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 still like broad set of experiences on the other hand like th- this is this is this is this um you know uh, th- this blessing in 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 this guys i'm just not a specialist kind of person that that's not how my brain is wired i i I don't get excited as much about the the most like narrow fields. I'm a generalist at heart. And this can be a disadvantage in a certain environment. But in a small company, that's perfect. And, and actually not just in a small company, but but let's leave that for another discussion. But 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 here's an advantage uh we can have. You know, hire generalists uh and then those people might not be able to do everything you know those those big guys have but on the other hand as a generalist you can do more things as one person and also you have a broader perspective you can connect you you can see how things happening say in design and in development connect right it it's very helpful to have designers that might be designers but understand development and developers understand design because then they're not disconnected and you don't need these silos be- between those teams where you have to like create this super specific documentation as a bridge between those team uh, between those teams because journalists can see like both sides and they they can work uh with one another with much less overhead yeah i mean and and maybe maybe you know, for us, it's easier because we're both generalists, you know, so we, we know many things. But on the other hand, each generalist also has some, some niches and things like that. But, um, but still, you know, being a generalist, as you, as you, as you say, gives us this, this broader view, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, when I think about it, you know, the, the, I want to have really very good developers, very good, you know, programmers in my company. But, but... I also want them to be able to try new things. That's why we have the TJF, for example, to 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 make sure that they're not stuck in this one thing that they know, right? Exactly. Because 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 this is because um, I think this is not uh, you know in I mean also I think it contributes better to people's happiness actually to be able to learn more things from from new from new um, you know different uh, different ways. Yeah, and and to be clear. Um, this distinction means a different thing for different people, right? It's it's not as if uh, all of our, our programmers are also like deeply involved or interested in design. That's that's not the point. But no. we we don't have you know a, a front end HTML uh, programmers and and JavaScript programmers and people who only do database programming like we don't we don't have that right like people still have their their niches and like specializations for sure but they're they're relatively broad and they overlap uh in to some extent uh, which is very good and and as you say like even if you're only like interested in, in in programming you can still like there's a lot you can do to to broaden uh your horizons and your abilities yeah 
I mean, you know, just like you did learning Swift and tr trolling Objective-C, so. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. <laughs> that's my role. Yeah. Uh, another thing I've been thinking about is is um, kind of work ethic, you know, how you, how you approach work. Uh, again, very related to all the things we've, we've been talking about. A lot of like people, I feel like most people have this this sense that you need to be on top of everything, you need to be in the loop and give as much feedback as possible, share your knowledge and like, you know, stay in touch with like everything that's happening. And that's that's good, I guess. But again, a large organization can always out feedback, out be on top of everything you and what we can do is uh, this this asymmetric route for us is to focus. Uh, you know what what I what I do a lot of time is I just disconnect from all the noise from Slack from noisy from everything that's happening for like half the day. I start with the most important work and like in in this flow state in in deep work and only focus on 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 that. And only at the end of the day do I connect to give feedback, review stuff happening around me, etc. And a lot of times I just I know I could say something, but I just don't because I don't have time to do it. And you could think of it as a disadvantage, but that's also an advantage, right? This uh, this situation is kind of forcing you to take this different route, which has very different uh, advantages. You can uh, you can you can have this this culture where people expect people to be busy with their work, super focused on only that most of the time, which has tremendous uh, efficiency benefits. No, I mean, f I just, you know, I just uh, remember um, a few days ago when I drafted the, the No Office Apps book that uh, before I did that, I, I listened, you know, we had this conversation, the, the, the discussion on the podcast about it, about our pyramid of communication. Later, I, I re listened our episode 17th and 18th of the podcast which we will link to here in the show notes and very good episodes really uh, um, so um, we did a good job there you know it was one of our first episodes but very good so we, I listened to them and then like on next day on Tuesday morning I um, I think I finished I finished one of the episodes I reread again my 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 essay on nooffice.org and then I just shut down everything i took my ipad and started writing mm -hmm. and uh, i had a, like a, like a kind of draft i written you know a few months earlier but i decided to just you know i i, I read the draft also on monday so i had like all the information from the draft and everything but i just had this idea that i want to just write it differently i want to write the book a little bit differently and then later merge the drafts a little bit more so like i managed to you know close down everything took my ipad sit down on a couch and I wrote 10,000 words like like wow. just boom and it was just amazing and but because I was conditioned because I had you know I listened to all these things I read all these things before I was ready and I didn't and on on on, on in this morning I I I I just out I mean straight straight just um removed all my distractions and just didn't want to listen to anything else and of course, later I had to pitch in because there were some other things, and we were preparing the promotion anyway. Mm -hmm. So, so I had to get get back to work to to like traditional work, um, like my you know other work, right? So, so I had to I had to get back, but then I did it for like two hours and get, got back to writing. 
and then also had like another you know two hour stretch of writing and this is something that you wouldn't have in an open office because they wouldn't let you and this is something that we really care about and this is something that really makes a difference because suddenly you're so focused you're really creating fantastic thing and um, and it's not you know it's and it's only because you know you're creating this environment where you can do that exactly exactly so yeah david versus goliath you know we're we're small we we can't win just by trying to make ourselves look bigger than the big guys so the way to win is to be smarter than them more efficient than them more human than them you know not not just try to do things they do because that's no way to win do things they can't do or don't do uh do things they don't expect uh or you know there are things we take for granted now like uh how we talked about um you know working remotely or how you know personally we we listen to audiobooks and and people reject that uh and we take that for, for granted and this is kind of a personal advantage right like we we just do a, a a different thing, not the same thing, because that's no way to win. Yeah, what you said here was very smart. Like the thing is that um, because people tend to very often outright reject things mm-hmm. because of their firm beliefs, and they are not open to a change to a different approach, we can just be the other guys. You know, we can actually you know we see that something new. And we can just try it, you know, try it for a second, try it for an hour, try it for a day. And and then we can, you know, make up our mind if it's really bad or if it's really good. And people are like, very people are stubborn and are not really open to this and they're not open to, to, to change. And, and this is, again, our advantage because, you know, it's been always done like this. Yeah, but does it mean it has to be for eternity like this? 